Would you say that on an average day, you're reactive or proactive? Are you reacting to the different demands, expectations, responsibilities at home, family, work, personal, professional, social? Or are you proactive, essentially setting the tone? There's much talk about how to live a more meaningful life. But it all begins with your daily routines. So we'll be speaking now about how to have a meaningful day. A day that's not defined by fragments, by demands, but one where you infuse it with your deeper self. Please join me. Hi, Simon Jacobson here. We will be discussing about how to have a meaningful day. This program is dedicated in memory of Ella Reitzina. Ask yourself a question. On an average day, do you feel you're reacting or are you being proactive? Are you reactive to the demands, expectations, of others, even good demands, family needs, survival, work, professional, personal, relationships, social, or are you proactive? Meaning it's not what others are dictating or demanding of you, it's you setting the tone, you being the captain of your ship. The fact of the matter is that most of us live reactive lives. And it's not because of any malicious or bad intent, but rather that becomes the reality when others are expecting things. We live in a world where we need to survive, make ends meet. So it's natural that we are going to be reacting to what others are expecting of us. But the key to really living the fullest possible life is to live a proactive life. And a proactive life means that there's some deeper force that's driving yourself, and that does not in any way mean that you neglect or ignore needs and survival and so on, but it means that there's something more going on and it's not just a result of that. So much talk about having a meaningful life. People go to workshops, read books, go to therapy, coaches, life coaches, different type of programs uh, to try to have a more meaningful life. And yet a life is a combination of many, many dots and coordinates and points in one's life. So the truth is, the key is to figure out how to have a meaningful day. And that will help you live a meaningful life. Now they, of course, work one hand in hand and they feed into each other. But we're going to be focusing on the day. So take your average day whether you're working from home or you're traveling and commuting, whether you're not even working, you may be retired, or you may be right at this point just living at home due to COVID or other factors, or it's a one parent, one of the parents is working and one is staying at home. Regardless, everybody has their so-called schedule. It's going to be important to look at your schedule. 
Why? Not because the schedule is bad necessarily, but it's always good to review and evaluate how you spend your day. So my book, Toward a Meaningful Life, I have a chapter called a, 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 life, a Day in Your Life, A Day of Life. And in it I suggest, which I'm going to suggest right now, is to begin with take, making a list, make a list of things you do from the morning, you, moment you wake up in the morning till the evening when you go to sleep. You're going to come up with, and I mean everything, from pressing the snooze button to finally getting out of bed, whatever regimen you follow, whether you go exercise or you say a prayer or you um, then shower, breakfast, coffee, commuting, have some meetings online, check your texts, and not in any particular order. I just mean everything, including tying your shoelaces and getting dressed. Everything, because you want to cover the whole picture. Till whatever you do in the morning, then the afternoon, then the evening. Average people come up with 100 and 150 items. Now the next question is, if you were to draw a line through them, can you create any connections? Like for example, if you commute to work, so you can say the commuting is, is a means to lead me to get to work. But there are other things that just have their own little, little life you know, you're getting dressed in the morning. Obviously, that will, once you're dressed, you can do other things. But its own thing. If you go shopping, it has its own purpose. You get on a call. You have a meeting. You'll discover that out of the 100, 150 items, most of them don't have a connection. So you have a bunch of fragmented pieces, all necessary in life. Some of them will be optional. Some will be absolutely necessary for survival, eating, drinking, connected to, to, to relationships. And there'll be things that are optional. There'll be things that are also a waste of time too. We all waste time. It can be nonsensical, hopefully nothing destructive. So you have a bunch of items. So it doesn't seem like much, but you know what you're going to be getting here? A snapshot of your own life. And remember, days accumulate. So it may not seem much like in one day, so what? 100 items, 150 items that are not really connected. But they accumulate day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, century after century, millennia after millennia. We did move from one millennia to another in the last 21 years, 21 years ago. So what you suddenly have is an accumulative of thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions of items. And they all are part of your life. Now again, you may choose a few of them and say, these are my primary things, my priorities. But, but nevertheless, very often the priorities don't dominate your life. You may get them done, but often the minutia that are necessary for either survival become the dominant factor and in many ways drive our lives. So it's not a surprise when someone asks you, who are you? And I've asked this question to many and the person will give you their business card. But that's what you do, that's not who you are. So some people are quiet, some people will sigh and say, well, I've been doing this for so long, what I do is who I am. When indeed it should be the other way around, who you are should dictate what you do. But that is how life is, and we want to challenge our own status quo if we want to grow, and if we want to become greater people and actualize more of our potential and live up to the calling 
of our lives. So it's vital to look at these details. That's why I'm focusing on the daily details. There are obviously special events in our lives we go to, special occasions, we have birthdays, significant dates, birth, um, weddings, graduations, bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, other type of occasions. But I'm not focusing on that right now. We're focusing on the daily grind. <clears throat> now, it's interesting, when you look at little children, look at their day, you're not going to have a real schedule. I mean, there's a schedule. They sleep and they need to eat at a certain time and so on. But because they have not yet been imposed upon any responsibilities, a child will just be natural. What's the natural movement of a child? They'll explore. They just explore, free abandon, enchanted by everything, crawling around if they're ready, ready to crawl. If not, they're using their eyes, always looking, looking, looking. What you see there is the most natural human being because it's not controlled by a demand, a deadline, uh, an appointment. And I'm not dismissing those elements, but it's critical to separate in a scientific way. You want to separate the natural you from the imposed upon you, meaning the things that are imposed upon us. It'll help us put things into context. I'm not suggesting dropping all our responsibilities and going back to being a toddler. But I am suggesting that we want to understand ourselves from within inside out. It's living inside out and not outside in. So with that, we continue. We look at our lives and now we have a contrasting view. By now you have hopefully a list of the items. Look at them. You're going to be surprised. You'll be surprised firstly by certain habits and routines. Secondly, by the fact that how many of these things are means and not necessarily fundamentals, even though you do them. So the key goal here is to change perspective. And that will ultimately also change how you do things and what you do. So now let's take this a step further. You've heard me speak about this many times. No business can function without a mission statement. Well, neither can you and I. The reason we do function is because we don't have the accountability of a business. We're there. To, if they're not going to be efficient, there'll be loss of money. There'll be debtors bank knocking on the door and so on. And they won't produce what they need to produce. In our own personal lives, who's watching? Who's looking? You have no auditors. You have no investors. You have no stakeholders. You have no customers. You have no uh, employees or employers. It's all about yourself. So you can get away with it. And that's why we do. But think about if your life was a mission-driven life. If, for example, right now you had a project that you had to do, and I'm not talking about a project that work, and I'll explain in a moment why. I'm talking about a project from your heart. You need to get something done. And you need to know, you know when you get up in the morning, there's a, there's a deadline, and I'm efficient, and so on. What does your day turn into? A very different type of day. It's not just random whatever comes my way or the regular routines. It's the project and the purpose and that mission for the, achieving that that drives the day. Now, of course, you're going to have breakfast and lunch and dinner and do the necessities in order to exist because you need the strength and you need the nutrition and you need the health and so on. But everything is then in a different context. These are pieces that are all part of the, what's necessary. You'll cut out things that are not necessary because you have this important project to do. And things that are nonsense and waste will obviously also go down. Now, we all need downtime. So it's not like you can always be 24-7 and entire day, 24 hours a day. We need to sleep. We need to rest. We need to relax. 
You need to just breathe. Even the most intense projects sometimes require a certain time out. But that all becomes focused, not just as a, okay, you know, I got nothing to do, let me go for a walk. It's focused around whatever you're getting done. Now, can a person live their lives, their entire lives that way? Some will say, no, you know, I can do that for a few projects here and there. But the truth is you can and you should. Not necessarily with that sense of intensity and pressure, but with a sense of calling and actually as a labor of love. Something you enjoy. And that's what happens when you, you transform your day from detail-oriented, working your way from the outside in to a day that's driven from the inside out, proactive instead of reactive. So this, of course, requires finding what is that thing I should be doing or things. And we don't have to start big. Whenever you bite off more than you can chew, it usually backfires. I would suggest something much smaller, starting with a project. Could be a project of, of just an acts of goodness and kindness that you're going to begin now in a very deliberate, proactive way. Begin a, I don't want to call it a campaign or an industry, but begin to, in a continuous and consistent way, share every day or initiate some goodness and kindness in your life with people you know, with strangers, using technology, using text, using a telephone, using in person if possible. If you make that commitment and you say, this is something I really love to do. It's not that difficult. What's going to be difficult is introducing a new routine because your old routines are going to dominate because by nature, your knee-jerk reflexes are just to follow your routines. So you're going to need to take time to firstly implement and commit to it. How many times that takes? 18 times doing it for several weeks, but slowly it becomes second nature. When you have something of that nature, you jump out of bed in the morning with a different attitude. It's not like, okay, what happens today? Or I'm not looking forward to this day, back to the work or back to the mundane, um, the mundane pedestrian, um, monotonous routines. You have something that drives you and drives your soul. So yes, I'm introducing now the idea of soul. What does your soul have to say? So your body responds to physical needs. It could be tired, hungry, thirsty. It needs companionship, intimacy, validation, doing your job right so you can take home your paycheck and pay for your bills. It includes vanity, beautifying yourself, looking good. There's a lot of, there's a whole list. And not all of it is necessarily negative. However, it's focused primarily on body. What is the soul? The soul's needs are very different. A soul does not need to look good because a soul doesn't have a look. A soul is an energy form within you. A soul doesn't need to eat or drink. The body does, but the soul doesn't. The soul needs purpose, meaning, nurturing, love, all ethereal nutrition. It also needs nutrition. When we are anxious or depressed, it's a result of the soul being parched, thirsty. So the soul's nutrition comes from different things. It comes from our giving, our love, our gratitude, our faith, our values, and other things I mentioned. 
I've lately been introducing the concept of immersing yourself in your spiritual spa. Spa. So there's a physical spa that's very comforting and relaxing. And a spiritual spa, spa is an acronym for study, prayer, action. Essentially cognitive, emotional, and behavioral conditioning. Study that every day you designate time. The morning could be a little in the morning, a little in the evening. It doesn't have to be a lot of time, but consistent to study something, to study something new, something that intrigues and interests you. I would advise something more spiritual and a little more transcendent. But the truth is, anything that stimulates the mind in a healthy way. The second thing is prayer. Prayer, and it's not necessarily associated with religion per se, prayer is emotional conditioning. It's speaking from your heart. It's learning emotional intelligence. The mind is a mind. The heart is an emotion, is emotions. So how do you exercise your emotions? By being emotional. One of the ways is prayer. Prayer is reading, it could be a book of Psalms, it could be a book of poetry, it could, be a, it could be a biblical book, a religious book, it could be another type of book, but a book that has an element that you are emoting to something beyond yourself. In religious terms, which I don't like the word religion, but I'm just using it, it could be emoting to God. Some people pray to God. But in essence, really, it means a reality greater than yourself. Your soul comes from that reality. So it's learning to emote, expressing your needs, introspection, the ability to express pain, joy. Many of us have not been trained to speak up. And in turn will affect your emotional relationships with others because you're exercising these emotional muscles. And finally, the A of spa, action, behavior. Because both of those are within our own faculties, our minds and our emotions. Actions are in many ways most powerful of all. Even though actions should be informed by your emotions and by your, by your mind, but actions is where real change happens. It's like the bottom line, an action, a behavioral shift. We live in a world of action. We live in a world that's not just cognitive or emotional. We live in a world of, of action on the ground. So action is when you do something. I mentioned the goodness and kindness. You give charity. You go visit someone that is in need. You take a walk with a special child. I mean, the list goes on. Any kind act, but it's an action. And interestingly, there's an expression that the, the following the actions are the feelings and the ideas. Or another way people say it, that people's heart follows their investment, not their investment follows their heart. So in other words, your action ultimately leads your commitment and deeper investment in what is what you're doing. When you have all these three on a daily basis, in an organized structure, one of the classic ways, and this goes back thousands of years, Jewish wisdom and tradition, including the mystical dimension of it, it expresses it this way, that you go from study to prayer to action. Sometimes the order is prayer, study, action, but regardless, that in the morning, 
before you begin whatever your responsibilities are, you, you, you immerse yourself in this spa. It will change your life, guaranteed. Not magically. If you think about it, it's quite practical. Because you're immersing yourself in something with a commitment and a consistency that will give you back a lot more than you give it. So contrast that to a day that's just controlling you. The activities of your day, your commitments of the day. That's why it's so vital to take control of your life. So how to have a meaningful day begins firstly with allowing yourself the space, the patience to look at your day. Number two, defining and seeing these fragments all over. Number three, trying to find something that's a glue that connects them. And number four, beginning to introduce activities, in this case, study, prayer, action, spa, that will actually take reorder in a way and reorganize and refocus your day. And nothing will be minimized. Nothing will be diminished. Everything will become richer because I'll tell you where the next step, five is, that this focus will then in turn spill over into the things that you've been doing on a routine basis. And let me explain why. Because when a person is, is, is looking from the, through their soul's lens and eyes, not through their bodies, through the lens of purpose and values and spirituality, then they understand that everything in life is to spiritual, the purpose of your day and your life is to spiritualize your life. So even when you're taking a commute, you're getting into a cab, an Uber, whatever, you're traveling somewhere, you're going somewhere, it's just, but because you're looking at it that way, it's not just another disjointed piece of your life. You maybe have a conversation with the driver, How's, how you're doing, say something kind. People are always interesting people. You may learn something, you may teach something, or both. Why would you be doing that? Not just because you're friendly, because in a way you're being proactive. You're not just doing things. They're all driven by that spa. Now, when I mentioned prayer, I should have mentioned, I'll say it right now, because it helps understand this point. There's a prayer I always mention, I always refer to, Moda'ani. It's a Hebrew prayer, goes back thousands of years, but the key point is one thing. Thank you for returning my soul to me. That's the essence of it. A little more words. Thank you for returning my soul to me. Acknowledging, first of all, gratitude. Acknowledging your soul. Acknowledging your renewal of your contract. Acknowledging that you were given a purpose. The gift of a purpose. The gift of a purposeful life, a meaningful life. That you have a contribution to make that you and only you can make. That's part of that spa. Studying about it. That's more the prayer part. The emoting, the emotional connection. The study gives background, gives more depth, and the action implements. So suddenly, besides the action of doing something kind, everything you're doing should be infused with that kindness, with that gratitude, with that awareness. And the way that, we're not talking about in a, in a quirky way or in a weird way, in a natural way. You get into a conversation, the driver tells you, you know, he may say something that life is not going so well, or may share something else, just using that as an example. And you say, you know, I have this interesting thing I do every morning. I've tried this, it works. But I wouldn't do it in a proselytizing way I'm trying to preach. And people are quite taken by that. 
Why don't you try doing that? Try every morning when you wake up. I thank you for returning my soul to me. Think about what is a soul. It puts your life in perspective. It puts your day in perspective. And the same thing with other things. You go shopping. You may be talking to them about you're buying some whatever it may be. Makeup, perfume, clothing, groceries. I'm not sure why I chose those. I just came to mind. You turn it into more of a conversation. But again, I wouldn't look at this like in a zealot type of way. I've become this like uh, wherever I go. But you are essentially an ambassador of light. And wherever you go, you're trying to bring this higher purpose into everything, infuse it into everything you're doing. I've shared the story of my traveling once on a weekend retreat to, um, it was East Hampton, Long Island. I stopped for gas. I filled up my car. Um, the attendant there, actually he filled the car, to be honest. Then he asked me, are you staying for the party? Because next door to the gas station was a club. They were having a Friday night party there. And he was also parking the cars. So I said, no, I'm going to a different party. What kind of party, he asked me. He was like an 18-year-old kid. I said, a Sabbath party, a weekend in East Hampton. And he was very intrigued, so I shared with him a little more. So he said, you know, do you have any like mailing list or email list that I can get on? I'd love to read more about what you do, your teachings. You know, he asked me what I do. So I said, sure. I took his email address. And I, uh, I recorded it. And then I went off to my weekend, came back to New York, back to home. My office, I give my office different emails that I received over the weekend, including his. And he began receiving it. I didn't know if I'd hear from him again. I didn't really think about it that much. But, I mean, I care, but I didn't, didn't really, there was nothing to, for me to do more than what I've done. Over six years later, I receive an email from him. He says to me, you probably don't remember me. I was this kid, this teenager, parking cars, and gave, I gave you my email address. And ever since, I've been receiving your, uh, your uh, weekly essays, your weekly teachings. You probably don't know, but I happen to be Jewish. My parents were tragically killed in a car accident when I was young. I was shipped off one house to another, lived in foster homes. It was a mess. I never received any education, definitely not a Jewish education. And now I'm receiving your emails. And I have to tell you, this has become my spiritual journey. I don't go to synagogue. I don't go to school. I study your emails. And he starts re- excerpting different ones. And I see it says Rosh Hashanah, he prayed with this message. Yom Kippur with that message. Hanukkah with it. I was so moved by this. What would have been the likelihood that if we didn't have technology, that, that he would have come to a class of mine in New York City? Most likely not. But here, all I did was add his name. No cost. The press of a button once a week when we send it out includes him. Why am I saying it? First of all, I thought about it. Just a simple act like that. Each one of us uses technology. We use texting. You know, after that, I became a harvester of emails. <laughs> Wherever I went, I said, it's the easiest thing to do. Get people's emails, send them. And you never know how you help somebody. You never know how it becomes has its own ripple effect, its own trajectory. That's a simple way to infuse your day with the spirituality of the spiritual spa. 
it's using technology that we do all the time, but in a more deliberate way. So for every, every text or all the things that you do online, whatever it may be, include this soulful objective, this soulful activity that infuses your smartphone, it infuses your tech, technological activities, if you wish, with something soulful. And every aspect of your life, that was just an example, becomes elevated. What about a meal? You're eating breakfast. You could say, what connection does that have? Well, you know what? When you study SPA, study prayer actions, the, the S of spa, you learn that every piece of food has sparks, divine sparks, spiritual sparks. And when you're eating the food, you're extracting and elevating that spark and connecting it with your spark. That's why it gives you strength. So the food now becomes part of who you are. And when you do a good deed, the food is now one, one with you in that sense. You have elevated that food, whether it's an apple, whether it was eggs, or whether it was cereal, or whatever the food may be. So what you're essentially doing is taking fragments of your life and connecting them all together into a beautiful mosaic. Like a jigsaw puzzle. And to use the words of the mystics and the Kabbalists, each of us is allocated in our lifetime with amount of sparks, which are everywhere, randomly everywhere. In the food you eat, in the things you drink, in the way you travel, where you live, where you work, in your home. Every activity, even when you tie your shoelace or you put on your shoes, every activity has sparks. But you need to be deliberate. You need to be proactive. Because they can just come and go. Or you can ignore them and not realize what you're doing. So living a meaningful day, having a meaningful day, is recognizing that. In a sense, extracting those sparks, elevating them, and focusing them toward purpose, toward higher purpose. So you see, each one of us, no matter what you're doing, can do this. This does not require being a theologian or a mystic or a high-level spiritualist. Every one of us, in our own humble and straightforward way, I don't want to say simple because nothing is simple, can achieve this. And indeed, every aspect of your life is waiting for you to come there to achieve this. I want to conclude with this powerful story, which always inspires me. And I hope it will inspire you. So the Baal Shem Tov, the great mystic, once sent a student colleague of his, his name was Rabbi Chaim Rappaport, on a trip. He sent him on a mission. When he came back, mission accomplished, the Baal Shem Tov insisted on knowing, how did you travel? He wondered what difference does it make, but okay. So he gave a, a quick report. He says, no, I want to know the details. So he says, well, it took me a three-day journey First night I stayed in an inn. The morning I continued on. Let me went to more detail. The next night there was no inn, so I camped out at the side of the road. I'm telling the story in brief. And I, uh, and I slept there. Then I woke up in the morning. I washed my hands. I said my prayers. And then I sat down to eat something. There was a brook of water on the edge of the road. I went over, took a cup, made my blessing on it. And then I drank. Baal Shem Tov, suddenly, you should see his face, lit up, excited, jumped up and said, from the beginning of time, that brook of water was waiting for you to come and make a blessing on it. 
to me, it's such a powerful emotional story. I've traveled quite extensively in my life, been to many places. I always think of Robert Frost's poem, The Road Less Traveled. You go to a place, you wonder who was here before. And sometimes you see, like in the woods, you see a path people travel on. Then there's a path people have not. And I remind myself of this story, that perhaps the entire place, this, this place, from the beginning of time, has been waiting for me to come and do some good deed there. Not in an arrogant way, in a humble way. Imagine people complain about life being monotonous, boring, I don't know what to do. Every second of your life, every is an opportunity that's been waiting from the beginning of time for you to do something with that moment, with that day, with that interaction, whether it's with a person, whether it's with an activity, whether it's online. When you think that way, you've reversed literally change the course of how you look at yourself, your life, and your day. Instead of from the outside in, a bunch of details, and then trying to make sense of it, or here and there doing something significant, the rest is just trivial. The, uh, the, the opposite. Your soul is here now. The, day, the new day ahead of you is going to present all kinds of opportunities. There are sparks everywhere. Think of it like a business person. Everyone you're going to meet is an opportunity. And you're eager to live up and actualize the potential that that opportunity has been waiting for from the beginning of time for you to achieve something. We don't look at others. Others have that same attitude. You can't say, oh, maybe that thing is waiting for that person. That's that person's job. Yours is to look at what's, presenting, what's being presented to me, the people I meet. Even the things, as I said, that seem not planned. You happen to be walking down this street. You happen to be sitting there somewhere in a commute. You travel somewhere. You're sitting there on the plane near someone. The list, go, the list goes on. And when you begin to look at things that way, things change. Your day becomes a rich, full day. Where at the end of the day, you can look back and say, wow. And not so much about patting yourself on the back, but just a sense of accomplishment, of fulfillment. Day after day. Week after week month after month, decade after, year after year, decade after decade, a life, a meaningful day becomes a meaningful life. And here I am, Simon Jacobson of the Meaningful Life Center, meaningfullife.com. Please check it out. Please share this with your friends. Comment, suggest. In every way, let's stay in touch. I mean, it's clear from my whole talk here <laughs> that I have to practice what you preach. I'm available. Let us all do our part and then the synergy and that, that we create, the harmony we create through our diversity just enriches each of us and all of us. It's an honor to share a few words. Thank you so much. Every week, this is a live program at eight, Wednesday, 8.30, but then it's archived. You can listen to it at any given time. Check us out at MeaningfulLive.com. Many other materials, schedule of events. And I look forward to speaking with you again and hearing from you again. Be blessed and be healthy. Thank you. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.